Welcome to URI's podcast series, a podcast proposed by the Armament Industry European Research Group. Welcome to the eighth episode of URI's new podcast series, a new format to encourage fresh strategic thinking in the field of European defense industrial policies. In this episode, we will continue discussing the post-Ukraine defense budget increases and their impact on the European defense industry. After Netherlands, the UK, Sweden, Lithuania, Poland, Spain and Belgium, we will today have a look at the case of Italy. So to discuss this topic, we have the pleasure to welcome Alessandro Marone, head of the defense program at EIE, the Istituto Affari Internazionale in Rome and scientific advisor of Aris Group. So welcome to this podcast, Alessandro, and thank you for accepting our invitation today. Thank you for the invitation. My pleasure. So despite the war in Ukraine, um, increases in defense spending were quite limited in Italy. Um, so the Italian defense budget still represents less than 1.5% of GDP and should not reach the NATO 2% goal before 2028. With regards to this situation, could you please tell us a bit more about the impact of the Ukrainian war on Italy's defense budget and how it will evolve in the next years? Thank you. Sure. Well, the situation in Italy, as you anticipated, is mixed. On the one hand, uh, the government led by Giorgio Meloni is keen to continue uh, on the path already undertaken by its predecessors to spend more than 20% of defense budget on procurement. So that was one of the points agreed at the NATO World Summit in 2014, and Italy already respected and invested in uh, um, robust capabilities, including for um, high-hand conflict. That's, let's say, uh, the advantage, the good signal. Um, The problem is that uh, both Draghi and uh, Meloni governments didn't uh, exploit the window of opportunity provided by Ukrainian war to overcome the uh, traditional domestic opposition to a significant increase of defense spending. So there's been only a modest increase from 28.8 billion in 2022 to 29.7 billion of euro in 2023. Uh, this uh, overall sum includes the Ministry of Defense budget, but also the budget that the Ministry for Enterprises made in Italy uh, invest on a procurement program involving uh, Italian defense industrial technological bases, such as, for example, the Eurofighter. Uh, this sum, uh, this overall budget, includes also uh, the yearly funds for military operations abroad, which come from a different uh, budget line. So, altogether, 2023 is 29.7 billion of euro, which, as you mentioned, is roughly uh, 1.5% of GDP, a bit more than 1.5%. And the similar percentage is estimated for 2024. 2024. Uh, so Italy is still far below the 2% target, which is becoming a trend for many European allies. Um, there may be an increase with respect to this estimate in 2024 and 2025. Defense Minister Guido Crosetto and uh, the world government has committed in this regard, but it's a political commitment. It's not a legally binding commitment uh, as the French uh, Loi de Programmation uh, Militaire. In this regard, uh, it's interesting to note that uh, also because of the limited resources, uh, uh, Italy has to do better in terms of uh, planning for investment and procurement. And Minister Crosetto proposed to have 
a three years investment law for procurement. So to have um, a legally binding commitment on how much and how to spend uh, the percentage of defense budget devoted to investments to procurement. Uh, if this will be realized, uh, this would increase the stability, the predictability, the effectiveness, and the efficiency of Italian procurement, if not uh, its uh, um, overall budget. Uh, a related question regards the uh, supplies of uh, um, military equipment to Ukraine. Italy has donated about 1 billion of euro of military aid to Ukraine. This figure has been provided by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Um, as a statement. Uh, unfortunately, there is no official document with the details of the military supplies because Italy classified uh, the, uh, the, the details, but many media sources, uh, reliable media sources, report that Italy uh, donated artillery, uh, armored vehicles, missile defense system, including components of the SAMP-T, uh, ammunition, uh, uh, manpads, etc. So uh, there's been also this investment, uh, ad hoc investment in, in donating uh, um, arms to Ukraine, which uh, means the stocks will have to be replenished uh, in the next years. Okay, thank you, thank you for this point. It's very interesting to uh, to hear that um, Italy is thinking about implementing a, a multi-annual uh, military programming law to to give more visibility and efficiency to its spending. So you talked about um, uh, procurement. Um, could you tell us what are the major capability priorities that Italy has identified after the war in Ukraine? And um, in these capability choices, what would you say is the ratio between long-term planning and the rapid filling of capability gaps? The starting point is that because of the war in Ukraine, Italy does focus its defense policy on NATO eastern flank more than before. So Rome is going to lead the multinational allied battalion in Bulgaria and to join the other one in Hungary, while continuing to contribute to the forward presence in Estonia. And Italian air and naval capabilities, including the carrier strike group Cavour, have been deploying for exercises or maritime presence under NATO aegis in the North Sea, in the Black Sea, and in the Mediterranean Sea. And of course, for the air policing ensured uh, by, by Italy of, over Iceland, the Baltics, uh, and other parts of the NATO uh, eastern flank. But at the same time, Italy has maintained its military presence in the wider Mediterranean region. That wider Mediterranean, it's an Italian geopolitical concept to identify regional security complex stretching from the Gulf of Guinea all the way through the Mediterranean basin up to the Gulf of Aden. That means it includes North Africa, Sahel, Horn of Africa, Middle East, and Europe itself. So Italy see the wider Mediterranean, including Europe, and, and, and North Africa, the northern and southern shores of the Med. That means that Italy has to um, keep a balanced capability development for both uh, stability operations and scenarios of high-hand conventional large-scale war with a peer competitor as it's happening in Ukraine. I mean, today Italy holds the command of NATO K-4 in Kosovo and NATO training mission in Iraq the command of UN Unifil 2 mission in Lebanon, and the number of bilateral military commitment in Africa from Libya to Niger, as well as the command of uh, EU operation in the, in the Horn of Africa. So, um, I mean, the Italian military 
has uh, uh, always respected the NATO defense planning uh, process targets on IAN capabilities, but de facto, the last three decades have been uh, marked by counterinsurgency, counterterrorism, stability operations, or air operation, uh, not against uh, any peer competitor like, like Libya. Um, and this influenced the, the, the structure, the forces, uh, the doctrine, and the capability of the Italian armed forces. So now it's, it's happening a shift towards the high end capabilities. It's not the black and white, it's uh, 50 shades of, uh, of gray, but there is more uh, focus on high intensity capabilities. What does it mean? It means, for example, um, more investment on advanced naval combat system including uh, uh, torpedoes, uh, submarines, uh, missile for uh, deep strike, um, air defense, uh, countermine, anti-submarine warfare. So this is something that is, the Navy is, is pursuing. It's, it's a shift, it's not a total novelty because the Navy already operates the carrier Cavour, which is one of the three carriers in the world able to operate uh, F-35B from, from, from a carrier. Uh, when it comes to the Air Force, the Air Force already embarked in the Tempest program with the UK, which then turned in the Global Combat Day program with, uh, with Japan. So it's investing in the sixth generation uh, aircraft, uh, following its commitment on fifth generation aircraft like F-35. So the Air Force always has always key, been keen to look at the higher end of the conflict and of the technology. Uh, the army is perhaps undergoing uh, the, the bigger change because it, it was uh, the service more committed to stability, counterinsurgency, counterterrorism operation, and now it has to shift uh, to a greater extent than the other two services towards uh, uh, collective de deterrence and defense against the Russian threat. So it means a new investment on heavy brigades, on, on main battle tanks, on the, the equipment for the individual soldiers, so a kind of system-of-system system approach, uh, on armored vehicles, and on helicopters. And here, the Army and the, and the Air Force may converge on investment on a future vertical lift helicopter, uh, so uh, a next-generation capability for, uh, for, uh, for the helicopters. Um, so this will hopefully happen within a, a balanced uh, joint uh, approach, but the autonomy of the single service uh, in Italy remains remains important in shaping their capability uh, priorities. And on top of that, uh, there are the two new domains, uh, cyber and space. Uh, in, on these domains, Italy is particularly uh, investing on space, uh, also because of its dual-use character and the presence of other uh, funding uh, on, in addition to the uh, defense spending for access to space, health observation, uh, satellite communication, and all of the um, enabling capabilities that uh, are located in space, but enable uh, military operation on Earth. Okay, so thank you very much for, for, for this point. Um, so, yeah, to maybe to resume it in, in two words. So, uh, Italy tries to keep um, a balance in its equipment between, uh, on one side, on the one hand, stability operations, as you said, and on the other hand, um, high-intensity warfare. Um, now I would like yeah, to ask you... 
a greater focus towards a high intensity work. Yes, exactly. Um, Not a revolution, but a shift. Okay. Um, I just wanted to ask you um, um, something about um, um, co coordination of uh, procurement priorities. Um, would you say that um, Italy has um, consulted other European countries uh, before planning its um, new capability priorities or um, uh, its um, procurement? I think Italy is, uh, is committed to um, multilateral uh, format to exchange information, such as the EU uh, coordinated under review of defense, so the card and the NATO defense uh, planning process. Um, when it comes to specific capabilities, if there is uh, um, a cooperation uh, program going on, in that cooperation program, there is consultation. For example, there is consultation with UK on sixth generation uh, fighter aircraft, or there is consultation with France on, and other European uh, partners on the European Patrol Corvette. Um, but it's, uh, it's ad hoc. Uh, I don't think uh, there has been uh, an overarching consultation by Italy on uh, its uh, capability development priorities uh, with single uh, European uh, countries. I don't, I don't think it happened neither for other European countries. It seems to me that Italy, as others, uh, is doing it on a rather national basis uh, and that, that, that it's, uh, it's a problem for everyone uh, in terms of uh, interoperability, commonality and pooling of, uh, of investment. Yes, um, definitely, and um, and this brings me to the to the next question. Um, so you you started tackling the this question, but um, would you say that Italy include um, collective framework in its procurement policy? And um, in case of collective procurement, what are the preferred bodies? Is for example, Italy used to um, uh, buy equipment through NSPA, for example? And if so, what are the reasons for it? Uh, the preferred framework uh, by Italy are uh, permanent structured cooperation and European Defense Fund, uh, but there are also activities within uh, NATO framework. So let me let me elaborate it. Um, so Italy traditionally committed a lot on on PESCO and sought to bring uh, to PESCO robust project on uh, uh, space-based uh, early warning against hypersonic missiles. Uh, on hybrid vehicles, on uh, drones and counter drones uh, capabilities, uh, the European Patrol Corvette. So it's um, Italy invested in military, political, industrial terms pretty lot on PESCO and continues to do so, even if now there are no uh, further waves of project in PESCO, at least there's been a stalemate over the last couple of years. Um, Italy uh, prioritizes a lot EDF and its precursors, uh, preparatory action, and the European Defense Industrial Development Program, of course, because there is a co-funding by the European Union budget, but also because they are seen as a really a catalyst for cooperation on research and development, uh, and then testing and prototyping um, among uh, um, leading European countries and leading European companies. So that's the framework uh, where uh, Leonardo, Fincantieri, uh, Telespazio, Taliolegno Space, Electronica, Iveco can cooperate uh, with uh, Safran, Airbus, uh, Rheinmetall, uh, Indra, etc. etc. So there is both a military and industrial interest in cooperating together on, on EDF calls, 
and um, they've been prioritized in 2022. For example, the two calls on um, space, on uh, uh, rapid access to space, uh, and uh, and um, on uh, health observation from space. But this applies also to other to other calls. Uh, the in um, and Italy will continue to do so, and will probably uh, support and. Uh, and participate heavily also in uh, in the in the EDIRPA and in the EDIP. So in the new tools uh, brought on the table by the European Commission to encourage member states uh, to collectively address uh, the replacement replenishment of stocks after donation to Ukraine and and the common joint procurement. For Italy, EU and NATO frameworks frameworks are always uh, complementary. And, uh, and uh, it's a win-win approach uh, from an Italian perspective. Uh, so, for example, um, Italy and, and Italian companies like Leonardo are present uh, in the um, EDF project on the, the technologies for next-generation helicopters. Um, but Italy is also present in the um, NATO initiative for next-generation rotorcraft capability. And this happens also to France, to Germany, to other countries. Of course, the UK is present only in the NATO framework after after Brexit. Uh, so that's an example where Italy is active also in the NATO framework on standards and uh, requirements for the next generation uh, helicopters. And Italy is also active in the NATO tables on um, UIS and counter UIS, and broadly speaking, short uh, short range air defense. Again, in terms of standards. Uh, and requirements, so it's not yet uh, procurement, but as you know, as as you know, it's it's often uh, the thinking on procurement starts with the thinking on standards and uh, and and requirements. So it, it could be an incubator for uh, for cooperation. So last question: um, You started mentioning uh, Edirpa. Um, what do you think about the, the EU initiatives um, to reinforce the European defense industry through, through common procurement, which are currently being discussed? So the short-term instrument, EDIRPA, and then also the longer-term instrument, EDIP. Um, do you think that they will help consolidating the EDTIB? And um, last but not least, do you think that they should allow the acquisition of non-European equipment? Um, you know, Italy back to your previous question, is not uh, in a hurry to um, replenish uh, stocks or fill capability gap like other European countries. So it's not looking to quick uh, off-the-shelf acquisition. Uh, I would say that there is a stronger rationale for mid to long-term planning and for seeking cooperation uh, with partners in Europe I mean, in the European Union, across the channel, so UK, and across the Atlantic. So from that perspective, the EU uh, initiative uh, are important. Unfortunately, their, their budget is very limited. For It's only half a billion for, for the DIRPA. And, and uh, understandably, it took time for the EU to uh, agree the regulation and to put uh, this instrument uh, on the table. So... Uh, they, I mean, they, it's a good, it's a good enough uh, response, but it's not adequate to the challenge. It should be done more and faster. Um, the, uh, the, the, the balance between um, 
intra-EU supplies and supplies from non-EU countries should be considered in light of the uh, security supply, security supply from trusted partners, and, and this of course applies to, 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 to the UK and, uh, and, and to the US or Norway, uh, to the time to market. So it's, uh, it's becoming a reality that uh, uh, supplies from the US uh, are not that fast because they have uh, also to satisfy huge internal demand plus the donation to Ukraine plus other allies. So it's becoming more convenient also in terms of timing to de develop a new PM product. For example, the equivalent or the successor of a Stinger in terms of, uh, of Manpad because not that really available off the shelf a Stinger right now in the next years. Um, so I think that uh, that Italy will seek cooperation with uh, European partners as possible, but it depends very much on the sectors. So uh, honestly, on um, on fighter aircraft, uh, the uh, the path undertaken is from Eurofighter to F-35 and to the Global Combat Air Program, and that that's that's set in stone. Um, on, on the naval land. Uh, missile uh, sector, uh, there is uh, much more room for cooperation and much things going on, particularly in the naval domain with, uh, with France. Uh, I hope that in the land sector, there will be uh, an evolution of the main ground combat system uh, project, where now Italy is becoming an observer, uh, towards a project that can accommodate uh, German, French, um, Italian uh, requirements, uh, perhaps the requirements of other European countries, uh, and, and to get to the economy of scale, uh, to the pooling of resources for a true European solution, because otherwise the risk is that, as Poland did uh, with, with South Korea, other European countries more with more urgency of filling this capability gap vis-a-vis -vis the Russian threat may recur to um, to non-European uh, supplies. So I think that here is where uh, quality um, quantum leap should be should be done in terms of European uh, cooperation. Uh, other example may include uh, uh, drones and counter drones uh, capabilities uh, as well. And Italy is very much interested in and uh, an air defense. Here again, we have the European Sky um, Shield uh, initiative. Uh, launched by, by Germany, which does not include uh, France and Italy in terms of both uh, countries, I mean governments and, and, uh, and industries with MDDA and, and its product. Uh, again, if you look at the whole picture, there, there should be, a, there could be an accommodation of requirements and work share to include in a multi-layer their defense system also the uh, MBDA uh, technologies uh, and, and solutions, therefore to involve also the um, Italian and uh, uh, French investment and market for this European solution. Thank you very much. Unfortunately, it's already the end of this episode, but it was a real pleasure to have you on board, Alessandro. Thank you for giving us your time. My pleasure, Gaspar. It's been a, a good one.